And now it's time for words from Eloise. Yo! What up, my babe? My motto, lead follow or get out of the way. Yahoo! Yo! Be a man. Don't be no job, turkey. A safe life is a useless life. You dig? If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Booyah! Woo! So get out there before you are all washed up. Word to the Father. This message is brought to you by Grandmothers Against Gangster Rap. Not really sure how to follow that now. So, well, good morning. It's great to be with you here today. And uh, I just want to say thank you on behalf of my whole family for making our re-entry and readjustment into the States a really smooth one. Sometimes, uh, often for missionaries, it can be a rough transition coming home, maybe coming to a new place. No, this is Crick's home. I've never lived here before. Uh, and it has been so smooth. So many of you, dozens upon dozens of you literally have helped uh, with the home that we're living in in Edinburgh. And you furnished it, furnished it and you've done so much for us. We're extremely, extremely grateful and humbled by how generous you've been with us. Uh, many of you have been praying for the last several months for my father as he was struggling with cancer. And he went to be with the Lord three weeks ago today. And, but so, much, so many of you have just supported us and prayed for us and sent cards and sent emails. And so we're just really thankful that uh, though we, we came back a few months ago and it has just been a smooth summer. And I can say it's been smooth because of what the Lord has done through you. And so thank you very much for all that you have done for your kindness and for your generosity in making the beginning of this year in the States a smooth one. Well, in Moscow... On occasion, we would watch the Russian version of the TV show Fear Factor. Uh, now, I, my understanding is that show isn't uh, on TV here anymore, at least not on a regular basis. Well, on this show, they would do many of the same things that contestants in the U.S. version are forced to do if they want to advance to the next round, ultimately to try to win whatever that prize might be. And so we've watched people bungee jump off of buildings, or be placed in a glass case and submerged as it fills up with water, and then watch that person panic as they try to unlock that case and get out to safety. We've watched as they eat grubs and other insects, or dive into a water tank full of snakes to try to retrieve things from the bottom of that tank, and so on. In my opinion, the contestants hated what they were doing and that they loved it at the same time. People in society today, in America and around the world, want to do something different. They want to do something extreme with their lives. Some people want that rush of adrenaline that you get by jumping off of a bridge with a bungee cord around your ankle, and that being the only thing sparing you from certain death. They want to be able to tell their friends what they've done, that they've done something that their friends haven't. Done. Several years ago, uh, there were two friends of mine, two young men by the names of Ilya and Misha, and they asked me to go skydiving with them. This was in Moscow. And I had developed a good relationship with these guys as they had been going through the Alpha course 
that I was leading as they had both been on this search for God. And so they asked me to go skydiving with them, and they were all excited, thinking about the possibility of me maybe being the first American reverend to go skydiving in Russia. And as they joked to possibly being the first American reverend to die skydiving in Russia. So after thinking pretty seriously about it for like a minute, I said, no way, because I don't like heights if I'm not in an airplane or in a building. And these guys ended up going twice that month along with some other of their friends and had a great time even showing us a video of one of their jumps. But it doesn't matter where you live in the world today, in America or even in Russia. People want to do something that's going to push them way out of their comfort zones, something extreme with their lives. And today I want us to take a look at the lives of three men from the Bible who lived radical, extreme lives. They lived out of their comfort zone. They lived on the edge, but not because they wanted that rush of adrenaline every time they were staring death in the face. They did it because they wanted to impact their world for Christ. And I'm going to intersperse these stories with personal experiences of how we've had to live through some pretty difficult, uncomfortable situations in Russia in the past nine years that also pushed us way out of our comfort zones. But I want us to stay focused primarily on these three characters because I want you to see as proof from scriptures, from the scriptures, that God's desire for us is not to live our comfy, comfy, comfortable Christian American lives like we so often love to do. What God desires and what He cares about is our relationship with Him and what we're doing on a day-to-day basis to influence this world and the people around us for Jesus Christ. People are more and more looking for that adrenaline rush, that thing that might put their lives in danger for five or ten minutes tops. I've done it too. But these guys that we're going to be looking at and talking about today live that way day to day. And the first person I want to talk about, you might have already guessed, and that's Peter. And the story comes from Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus walks on the water. But I don't want us to focus on the fact in this story that Jesus walks on the water. Instead, I want us to look at what Peter did in response to that. So Matthew chapter 14 Verses 22 through 31, if you have your Bibles, you can open them, or you can look on the screen behind me. Matthew 14, 22 through 31. Matthew writes here, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? 
You know, sometimes I read the story and I look at Peter and I think, what a wimp. What a crybaby. I mean, he was a fisherman for crying out loud. He had to have known how to swim, right? But just think about what he did. At the fourth watch, which was between three and six o'clock in the morning, in the middle of a lake, pitch black outside, still not even 100% sure if it was Jesus they were seeing or a ghost, and most likely in those days not knowing how to swim, Peter gets out of the boat. Why? Why would he do such a risky and stupid thing? Well, I believe it's because Peter wanted to be with Jesus. Peter was the kind of guy that wasn't content sitting in the relative safety of his little fishing boat. And that's obvious as we look at his life and ministry in the New Testament. Instead, he wanted to get out of the boat, whatever that risk was. Although I'm sure that the other disciples had to have been wondering, what in the world is Peter up to now? You see, Peter put his faith in Christ. And it takes that kind of faith to get out of the boat. To get out of your comfort zone. As we look at the story, though, we see that Peter wasn't without his failures. His faith began to waver. He began to question and doubt whether Christ could really work in him and support him and keep him above water. And then he began to sink. But what he did next is key to this whole story. Look again at verse 30. It says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And I think we often don't get involved in this ministry or that ministry or take our relationship with a neighbor or co-worker or classmate to the next level by talking about our relationship with Christ because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of sinking. Either that ministry will bomb or we'll lose that person's friendship because we introduce something spiritual. And so we stay in the boat. We stay where we're comfortable and neglect to cry out, Lord, save me. Lord, help me in this ministry. Lord, give me the words to say to this friend. This story is a perfect illustration of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 when he writes, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. But for some reason we tend to forget that. We know it. But it's always easier to stay where we've been with surroundings that we're comfortable with. During our first year in Russia, in 2000, we lived in the southern city of Krasnodar before we moved uh, 800 miles north to Moscow, which is where we've lived ever since. And we had been in the country only about five months when over a, about a four to six week period, several things happened in our lives that just really affected us and impacted us and slowed down our ability to adjust to this new country and culture and language and caused many sleepless nights. And one of those experiences occurred on a weekday morning at around 7.15. And the boys and I were all downstairs in the kitchen eating breakfast before we all headed off to our separate schools. Crick was upstairs getting ready. Our daughter, who was uh, less than a year old at that time, was still sleeping. 
We were doing all of this when all of a sudden we heard a screech of tires and a loud crash out on the street in front of our house. So I quickly jumped up and ran to the living room to look out of the window to see if I could see what had just happened, assuming that it was a car accident, which we see on a daily basis there. But because of the high gate that surrounded our property, I couldn't see the street. And a moment later, Crick called down from upstairs to say that it was a person who had been hit by the car. So I quickly ran outside to see that about 15 people had already gathered around the accident scene. But the thing is, they were all standing on the sidewalk. Nobody was going up to this lady in the middle of the street to see if she was okay. And in that split second, I knew I had a decision to make. Do I stand here with everybody else and wait 20 or 30 minutes for the ambulance to come? Or do I go and see if she's even alive? And of course, it would have been much easier to have stayed on the sidewalk. People from surrounding homes knew I was a foreigner. It would have been, much, it would have been uh, obvious right away as soon as I began to speak that I was a foreigner and at that time still knew very little Russian. It would have been much easier to have stayed on the sidewalk and to stand next to my landlord, Stas, who was also a believer, instead of going out to see if she was okay. But thankfully, I made the decision to go and help her. At first, I didn't even know if she was alive, if she had been knocked unconscious by the impact with the car. So Crick brought out blankets to lie on top of her and under her head as she had to lie for an hour on this cold pavement in February before being placed in an ambulance. Now, this 60-year-old lady survived. We saw her two weeks later when we visited her in the hospital. But she's probably never walked normally again. In our years in Russia, we've seen probably a dozen to two dozen people hit by cars. In two separate incidents, we actually watched two people get hit by one car. It's frightening. It's unnerving. But you know what? Jesus is calling us out of the boat. Or in this instance, off of the sidewalk to minister to people in His love, with His love, and in His name. And I believe many of you here want to be called out of your comfort zone to minister to people in His love. And in his name. And I just want to say, go for it. Don't hold back and don't let anybody hold you back or tell you that you can't do that. Well, you may have noticed in this passage with Peter that he actually asked Jesus to call him out on the water. I'm not sure if you noticed that. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. Have you told God recently that you want to be called out on the water? Have you prayed like that recently, knowing that when, that when we live like this, when we live by faith, and only by faith, this is when we live most in dependence upon Him? If you haven't, I encourage you to begin praying that way. Ask Jesus to call you out on the water. Well, secondly, I want us to look at, a, uh, at Moses 
as an example of a man who lived out of his comfort zone, a man who took huge risks for God. But Moses, as you know, wasn't like Peter, at least not at the time that God first called him out of the desert. You see, Moses seemed content to stay in the boat. He was probably like some of us here. He had held the same job for the last 40 years, was happily married, putting his kids through school. He didn't need his boat rocked. But you know what? God isn't all that concerned about rocking our boat. In the early 1990s, when the Soviet Union had just collapsed and Christianity and evangelism were, were wide open in the country, there were evangelism teams and evangelists that used to ride on ferries along the rivers in Siberia, stopping at each stop, getting off the boat into each city and preaching the gospel in hopes and attempts to be able to plant a church there. Well, in the city of Tobolsk, so many people came to Christ that the leader of this evangelistic team told one of his young workers, Timofey Lenik, to get back off of the boat that they had just reboarded and to stay there in Tobolsk and plant a church. Can you imagine that? You're not going home. You're staying here and you're planting a church. Well, today, 15 to 18 years later, Timofey Lenik, this young church planter, is one of the most highly recognized and respected evangelical leaders in the whole country of Russia. And in the ensuing years, he sent out 24 church planters. He's planted 17 churches. Timofey Lenik literally got out of the boat. God isn't all that concerned about rocking our boat if it means that we'll be more fruitful and effective for His glory. Now Moses, on the other hand, was reluctant to move and do what God was asking him to do. I believe for at least two reasons. First, as I've already said, because he was comfortable and content in what he was doing and in where he lived. He had friends and family surrounding him. He had a nice large tent in a good, nice, quiet part of the desert. It was a good life. But secondly, he was reluctant because he lacked the self-confidence and the faith that God could use him. Five times in Exodus 3 and 4, the Lord tells Moses that he'll be with him, that he'll speak for him, that he'll make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the Israelites so that they'll listen to him. And five times, Moses cries back, why me, Lord? I can't speak. The people won't believe me. Can't you find someone else? Have you ever done that before? Maybe you've been asked to teach a Sunday school class here at FAC and you said no out of fear. Or maybe a co-worker or, or classmate or neighbor asked you about Christ and Christianity and you gave some half-jumbled answer, not really knowing what to say. And so you look back at those experiences as failures and you say, there's no way that God can use me. Find someone else, please. Well, chances are pretty good that God isn't going to ask any of us here to do something like he asked Moses to do. But he may want to use you to lead a neighbor to Christ. And that means you have to know how to share your faith. Or he may want you to teach a Sunday school class here 
And that may mean hours of preparation. Or he may want you to help in planting a church as a missionary in another part of the world. But you'll never know what that plan might be until you stop saying no out of fear or out of contentment and say yes to Him. And some of you here, maybe many of you here, have said yes to God to be used in any way He pleases for His glory. But I'm sure there are some of you here who haven't said yes. You may not have said no, but you haven't said yes yet. And I want to dare you to make today that day that you say yes to God for whatever that might mean to be used by Him for His glory. Well, the third and final example of one who gave his life for the cause of Christ is Stephen, who we read about in Acts 6 and 7. And Stephen's life shows us that it will cost you to get out of your comfort zone. It might cost you your job. You might be fired if you're told you have to lie at work and you decide you're not going to do that. We've known Russians who have held good jobs with good pay who have ended up quitting those jobs because they, they were told that they had to lie in order to get more clients. You might be made fun of at school when you decide you're going to let it be known that you're a Christian. Paul and Un Kim paid dearly after seven wonderful years of ministry to the Buddhist Kalmyk people in Russia. And the Kims were Alliance missionaries in the city of Alista and had a growing ministry there. But in 2001, in our second year on the field, after returning from a brief trip to South, from South Korea, Paul was denied re-entry into Russia. His visa was taken and torn up at passport control. And he was deemed a danger to the Russian Federation. He was never allowed to return. It will cost you when you live out of your comfort zone to minister out of your comfort zone. It might cost some more than others but it will cost. When you're living a life totally dedicated to Christ, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like what you're doing. And that's what happened to the Kims. Well, with Stephen, as we know, it cost him his life. But the Bible tells us that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God used the death of Stephen to scatter the believers throughout Judea and Samaria. They all wanted to stay together in Jerusalem. He scattered them. And the Bible tells us that those who had been scattered preached the Word wherever they went. Sometimes, well, oftentimes, Living on that edge, living out of your comfort zone can be very uncomfortable and very stressful. But God always rewards those who live that way for Him. For the last term and a half after we finished language study, Crick and I have been involved in planting and now developing a new church in Moscow. And we quickly learned that doing ministry in Russia was going to be a whole lot different than doing ministry in the States had been. In Moscow, there's about one evangelical church for every 100,000 people. 
That's the equivalent of having about one evangelical church in all of Erie. Erie has a little over 100,000 people. At least that's what the Internet says. Just imagine that. Of course, that church would be FAC. That's not a question. But just imagine one evangelical church for every 100,000 people. So we didn't even have a group of interested people to begin with. It was just us and the other missionary couple whom we were working with. We had to find creative ways of meeting people and then taking the initiative in those relationships. Something that was very difficult after being in the country only two or three years and still being very limited at that time in the language as Russian is one of the world's most difficult languages. We were often embarrassed or humiliated by people if we said something wrong when speaking. When finding out what we're doing in their country, people often ask us, ask us if we're part of a sect because we're not Russian Orthodox. I had one man in our own apartment tell me to go home, go back to America. They already have their own religion and they don't need ours. And sometimes we wondered, what in the world are we doing this for? Why are we here? Are we making any difference? God stretched us in every direction until it hurt. And then He stretched us again, even further, and it hurt even worse. But have you ever had one of those good hurts? You know, when you know it's a good and helpful thing for you. Your body might ache, but you know it was good for you. Well, this has been one of those good hurts. It isn't always fun, and we don't always like it, but we wouldn't be who we are or where we are today if we hadn't allowed God to take us through it. And some of you may here may be asking, was it worth it? Was it worth saying yes to going to a city of 14 to 15 million people where only one half of 1% of the population are evangelical believers? Was it worth it? And I can say without a single hesitation, yes, it was worth it because we have a church now. The Moscow Church of the Open Door with 90 to 100 people in attendance every Sunday and an average age of 25 years old. It was worth it because Natasha and Archom and Masha and many others are going to heaven as a result. And dozens more Muscovites are, have been introduced to the person of Jesus Christ. All of this happened because you have prayed and you have given and you have sent my family and others out. I want you to understand the importance of the role that you play here. God doesn't call many to go, but He calls everybody here to be involved. And what we do there could not happen if you weren't doing what you do here. So I want to thank you from my family and from the Russia field and from the whole CNMA Alliance. Thank you very much for praying and for giving and for sending. Your role is extremely, extremely important. When God wants to take you out of your comfort zone, when He stretches you in all different directions until it hurts, He's doing it for two reasons. First, to bring you into a closer, more intimate relationship 
with Himself. And secondly, to use you to influence as many people as possible for Jesus and for His glory. We live in a time where more and more people are wanting and trying to live out of their comfort zone for that five or ten minute adrenaline rush. But less and less believers are willing to live out of their comfort zone for the sake of Christ. What's your comfort zone? I'm sure there are some of you here who are holding on to those oars for dear life. You're trying to paddle on your own. Not willing at all to even step near that water. Several years ago, I read Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. I'm sure many of you here have probably read it. And in his book, he writes on the subject of eternity. And he says, when you fully comprehend that there is more to life than just here and now, and you realize that life is just preparation for eternity, you'll begin to live differently. You'll start living in light of eternity. When you live in light of eternity, your values change. You use your time and money more wisely. You place a higher premium on relationships and character instead of fame or wealth or achievements or even fun. Your priorities are reordered. When we live in light of eternity, we realize we have very little time on this earth to live for Christ. And so we want to make the very most of it. I want to challenge you today. Ask Jesus to help you get out of the boat. Ask Him to take you out of your comfort zone and to do with your life whatever He wishes for His glory. It might hurt, but it's a good hurt. And its benefits will last for eternity. Let's pray. Lord, none of us really likes to be out of our comfort zone because it's uncomfortable. It's just human nature to live where we're content and with surroundings that we're familiar with. Father, but from reading Scripture and uh, understanding what, understanding the words of, of uh, the Bible, it's just obvious that You don't expect or want us to live that way with what we're familiar with. You want us to, to get out. But Lord, we understand that all of us here are different places in our walk with You. But I thank You, God, that You're the God that meets every one of us where we are. And all you're asking is for us to take a step today. Just a step closer. Maybe a step closer to the edge of that boat. Maybe we're not even ready to touch the water yet and see if it's cold or see if the waves are choppy out there. But for that person, Lord, you're still asking to move a little closer to that edge. Tomorrow a little closer. Father, some, of, some people here have already tested the water and jumped back in the boat. They found it a little too uncomfortable. And that's understandable. We've all, I think, done that in our lives. Lord, I pray that Your 
Spirit today will give them the power to take that step and not only put that foot back, but put two feet in to test it. Lord, I pray that they'll find you faithful to hold them up, to support them. Because, Father, when you call us and ask us to do something, you also give us the tools and you give us the abilities through the power of your Holy Spirit who lives in us. So, Father, I pray for each individual here and then I pray for this church as a whole. Lord, it's a large church which already has an influence in this community. Father, I believe that you want this church to have a greater influence in this whole region. Lord, but the only way they can do that is to get out of, or that we can do that, is to get out of our comfort zones and to live out there for you, taking risks, whatever that might mean, trying to influence people's lives for Jesus. Lord, for that, we need the power of your Holy Spirit. We need wisdom. We need words. We need courage. We need boldness. Lord, we need that from you. And so I pray that every person as they go today will just think of what they can do, what you're calling them to do. Lord, not just to go back to maybe having a really content, nice, comfortable life, but understanding that that's not, you've never promised us any of that. That's not your desire for us. You want us to be your witnesses right here. And for those of us who are around the world, you want us to be witnesses there too. And Lord, so I just pray for this congregation. I pray for each person individually. Lord, may you speak to their hearts today so that they will understand what's the next step they take. Whether it's a step closer to that boat, whether it's to put a foot in the water or two feet in the water, or whether to go running across that water to Jesus. Lord, may you speak to every person today. Show each one of us what it is you have for us, what you desire for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.